while I was on vacation, one of the things that happened was um, I had these these identity thoughts, this, this process of sorting out my identity that went on at numerous different times during the trip. I was wrestling with the who am I thing, and not on some deep inner level, but just the reality of my circumstances. Um, what was my identity? Because, uh, as I said, I crossed the border and went back to my country again, and for the first time in over 22 years, I wasn't the foreigner. I wasn't the alien. It was my country. And so as far as the earthly citizenship goes, I was home. And I was the Canadian. And that was my identity. I was, I was this person that I hadn't been in a long time. It didn't alter the way I acted or anything. But I was hosting my family. I got to bring them to my country. My kids had never been to Canada. And for my wife, like I said, it's been over 22 years since we had been in Canada. And so there I was wrestling with my identity. I'm a Canadian. I'm in Canada. Things are different now. And it was, it was a different feeling. Uh, for the first time in a long time, um, I was a brother in person. We spent the middle week of our vacation with my older sister and her husband and their daughter in Victoria. And I rarely ever get to see her. She lives in Seattle. We don't get together very often at all. And so I hadn't seen her in a long time. And now um, here we were face to face again, just interacting and, and being brother and sister. And, and really the, the most interaction that we do is, is during a Seahawks game when we're texting back and forth after every play. And it's that kind of thing. I hadn't seen her for a while. And so I was a brother again. And I was reintroducing myself to her in person as a brother. And then there was a weird thing that happened. She had invited my cousin and her husband to come out and spend that week in Victoria as well. I haven't seen my cousin in over 35 years. I have a strange non-relationship with my cousins. I have cousins, first cousins, that honestly I've never met and I don't even know their names. Just we've been spread out all over the place my entire life. And I've had very, very little interaction with my cousins. And so here's a cousin that I think the last time I saw her was when I was 15. And she was eight years older than me. And I just always knew her as that older cousin who, when I was little, she was in high school and she was this rowdy teenager. And then she met this doofusy guy named Hank. And the two of them ended up getting married. And all Hank wants to, wanted to do at that point was to be a cowboy. And the two of them were into that whole thing. And it was very different for me. And I was just the little cousin. And, and so it was very, very different. And I had to reintroduce myself to my cousin... After not having seen her for such a very, very long time. And so there were different things that, that I could have done, that I could have chosen to do in that moment to reconnect with my cousin, to reintroduce myself to her. Um, obviously, I could have just shown her my Facebook profile, but <clears throat> that wouldn't have done much good because um, I don't keep that up at all. Um, she's learned a lot about me from my wife's Facebook page, um, but not from mine. 
Um, I could have, and, and certainly did to some degree, just borne witness about myself. I could have just told her who I am now. And we had lots of that. There were lots of questions exchanged. Um, I could have shown her my documents, like my green card, and <laughs> borne witness about who I was like I did at the border. No, seriously, this is me. This is my car. Um, I could have done that. Um, my sister, who was there... Certainly bore witness about who I was. Um, some of it was fictional. Not sure where she's getting these stories from our childhood, but some of them just kind of popped out of nowhere. I'm like, that didn't happen. So she did a little bit of that as they reminisced some. Um, my wife did. She spent some one-on-one time with my cousin and kind of reintroduced her to me and to our family and to our life right now. Um, my kids did by their behavior. <laughs> introduced my cousin to me and this is this is who I am as a father and so they got to experience that and they had a really fun time um they did they stayed up late playing cards with Hank and 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 Hank was great with them he just had a, a blast playing with them they couldn't get enough of that so it was it was just strange i was i was reintroducing myself and i was not the person am not the person that i was when I was 15, not that person at all changed dramatically from then. I am a completely different person, opposite in many, many ways, but still that kept coming back into it is, Oh, my cousin would go. I know who you are. It was this shy little Paul. And that's who she knew me as. And she'd hear me talking to my kids and I'd all of a sudden hear this from like from the other room sometime where's al my dad because she could hear my dad in my voice and that's what she knew um we were close at that time a long long time ago and and so she knew my my mom and dad really well well this morning's passage uh, from john chapter 5 is about how jesus was faced with the task of introducing himself to the world he introduced himself, and, and he didn't merely, merely bear witness about his identity himself. He's going to show us some other sources. He gave the nation of Israel, God's people, five offerings for them to consider. He threw at them five pitches, if you will, to show them his identity, to show them who he was. So turn now to John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 30 through 47 together. John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. Jesus could have merely borne witness about himself like we do. Jesus could have said, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. This is what I want people to know about me and think about me. We do that. But Jesus didn't. Witness to who he was went so much farther than that, than his words. Here's what he said in John chapter 5, verses 30 to 47. He said, I can do nothing on my own. Sound familiar? Goes right back to what he said in the passage that Peter looked at with us last week. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true, it's not complete. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. 
Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? All right. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about his identity and he's making it clear that his words are not enough. He's not going to merely rely on his words and their acceptance of his words. There are five other sources that give him credibility. These are five strikes against the Jews. Most of them missed all of these things. They were given testimonies that were intended to help them, but they swung and missed on all five. In verses 32 to 35, Jesus mentions the first testimony. It's one that we're already familiar with. The first testimony besides himself is the testimony of John the Baptist. In John 1, 29 to 34, we already saw John identified Jesus. He referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God. John acknowledged that the reason that he came, that John came, was to reveal Jesus to the Jews. John had been acknowledged as a prophet already. He spoke on God's behalf. He had an important message and was accepted that way. Jesus, in verse 34 of our passage, states that he doesn't need man's testimony, but God ordained the use of John's testimony for a reason. That reason was the salvation of the nation of Israel. God was being very loving and generous towards his people. In Jesus, he sent his people a perfect representation of his, his righteous judgment and his mercy and his grace. That was who Jesus was. So John the Baptist shined the light on Jesus. He pointed to Jesus' identity, but they swung and they missed. John's testimony was not enough. That's strike one. Second testimony that Jesus referred to was that of his own works. In verse 36, Jesus states that the works that God gave him to do were his testimony. They bore witness about who he was. Two weeks ago, Jamie led us into the story about a man sitting near a pool who was healed by Jesus. He made it clear that the healing was not a result of the man's faith. It was about Jesus. It was about God's mercy being displayed through Jesus. It was about Jesus' power, a clear indication that he was indeed the Son of God. 
And we're going to see many more works as we go through the book of John. Jesus associated his works with his identity. He stated that his food was to do the will of his father. Remember that from the story about the woman at the well? He said that about his works. These were the works that God gave him to do. These works spoke volumes about who he was and what he had come to do. Nicodemus noticed that no one could do the works that Jesus was doing unless God was with him. What Nicodemus was seeing was that Jesus was God. His works bore witness to his identity, but so many of the Jews missed it. Many of the crowds who followed Jesus around missed it. That was strike two. But Jesus said that there was a third testimony. This one was more important than any of them. God himself bore witness about the identity of Jesus. We've already looked at Jesus' baptism. God was there. God spoke audibly. A voice from heaven was heard saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Later in another of John's writings, the the book of 1 John John's going to write about God's testimony. This is 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. John writes, If we receive the testimony of men, God's testimony is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. God bore witness about Jesus. And these are strong words by John. The testimony of God concerning his son was strong, clear, powerful. God had spoken of Jesus for so long through his prophets, dating back to the time of Moses even. Yet most of Israel missed him. Strike three. Still, God remained true to his generosity and his deep, deep love for his creation. And so he offered more. The fourth testimony to the identity of Jesus was the writings, the scriptures. Look at verse 39 of our passage. The scriptures testified about Jesus, and the Jews had the scriptures. In John 1, Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. It was all there. Somehow most of the religious leaders of the day got so lost in their study of the scriptures that they lost sight of Jesus. In Luke 24, 27, following his resurrection, Jesus walked the road with two of his disciples. They didn't recognize him. Jesus began to show them, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, all that had been written in the scriptures concerning him. So much had been missed. Strike four. Still, God wasn't done. The fifth offering that God had given the Jews was Moses. Beyond just his prophetic writings directly related to Jesus, Moses was their authority. They lived by Moses' law. They had put their hope in Moses. And now, as we can see in verse 45, Jesus points to the fact that the very one that they put their hope in was their accuser. Because Moses was pointing them to Jesus the whole time. Imagine how deep their anger was when Jesus dropped Moses' name to prove his point. Jesus said that 
that Moses spoke of him, and here they are refusing to listen to even Moses. In John 19, we're going to see that the Jews crucified Jesus according to the law of Moses. They couldn't have been further off. Strike five. They had the testimony of John the Baptist. They had the testimony of Jesus' works. They had God's testimony. They had the testimony of the scriptures. They had Moses' testimony. Still, they missed it. But God kept loving. Jesus kept healing and teaching and forgiving. And God still hasn't given up even on those who have missed the identity of his son to this day. He still hasn't given up on revealing to this world who Jesus is. Let me ask you a question about you and your understanding of who Jesus is. Who bore witness about Jesus to you? Think about that. Think back. Who bore witness about Jesus to you? Where did your understanding come from? Who gave testimony about Jesus to you? Was it John the Baptist? Not really current or personal to us. Not like it was to the people in in Jesus' time. Was it Jesus' works? Well, it's, it's tough when we weren't there to see them or hear about them audibly from somebody who saw them, that sort of thing. Was it God the Father? Well, his spirit does bear witness to us. He does. God shows us. God tells us directly who Jesus is. So that one we share. Was it the writings? Well, we have so, so much more to go on than they did. Don't we? They had the Old Testament. We've got it all. All these accounts of Jesus and all that he did and said, we've got all of that. And it's been handed down to us, protected by God throughout time, delivered to us. That's why they're so important to us. All right, what about the last one? What about Moses? Well, again, not really current or personal for us. Certainly significant to them. But we don't live by Moses' law, do we? And so we're left with the writings, which encompass all five of Israel's strikes. And we have God speaking directly to us through his spirit now. It's his testimony to us about Jesus. His words, God's words bear witness to us. Now add to that the testimony of the people around us who have experienced Jesus, who know Jesus, who have God's spirit living in them. So church, when is it going to be enough for us? When are we going to stop relying on our own testimony regarding the identity of Jesus? We say, if my life was different, it would be easier for me to believe that Jesus really is Jesus. If my circumstances were better, it really would be easier for me to believe that Jesus is Jesus. If I had more evidence... It really would be easier for me to believe that Jesus really is Jesus. Church, are we going to learn from the Israelites or are we doomed to repeat their mistake and and balk at, at, at five sources of testimony regarding Jesus? Will we say no to God's voice? Will we say no to God's word? Will we say no to God's people and their testimony about Jesus? God's looking for our yes. 
Yes to who Jesus is. Yes to God's love for us. Yes to all that God has provided us with to show us that Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is who he said he is. Trust that his identity is true. Believe in Jesus. That's the theme of John's book. Believe. Believe God's word. Believe God's voice. Believe the many, many testimonies of God's people. Ask the Christ followers around you to share their testimony of who Jesus is. I believe that God through his spirit has made it clear to me that Jesus is who Jesus said he is. I believe that. I believe that what the Bible says about who Jesus is, is true. I believe that Jesus is who his followers say he is. So the task has been laid on my heart to bear witness to you that Jesus is who he says, says he is. I do this for you and you church do this for me. We should be doing this for each other all the time. Bearing witness to who Jesus is. I can affirm for you that Jesus is who he said he is. You can affirm for me that Jesus is who he said he is. And it ought to be part of our makeup as a church. That we do that for each other. That we build each other's faith up. Knowing full well that any one of us at any given moment could use a little affirmation, could use a little encouragement regarding the identity of Jesus Christ, whom we put our faith and trust in, but sometimes doubt who he really is. We're there to do that for each other. We should, should be there to do that for each other. But then will we do this for the rest of the world as well? Who will bear witness to the identity, character, power, love, grace, forgiveness, the gift that is Jesus Christ? They don't have his word. They don't know of his works. They don't know who Moses is. They don't know what John the Baptist said. They do hear from God. Everybody does. Who then will lend their testimony to what God is saying to the rest of the world? Church, show the world who Jesus is. Speak of what he's done for you. Speak of what you've learned from him, seen him do, witnessed of his character. Dare to stand up and be counted as a testimony to the identity of Jesus Christ. Live like Christ lived to show the world who he is. That's the calling that God's put on our lives. This is what he's asking us to do. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And help the world see him too. Join God in bearing witness to the identity of Jesus Christ. It's his desire that all, that everyone comes to know him. Comes to know Jesus and who Jesus is. Let's invite the world to come and see for themselves who he really is. There's one more testimony that I want to mention this morning, and it's important that we keep this particular testimony embedded in our hearts. And so we're going to focus on this particular testimony for the rest of our time together this morning. 
That particular testimony is the cross. The cross speaks volumes of the identity of Jesus Christ. We do what we're going to do together. We share communion together because of that cross and what it says to us about who Jesus is. We identify with that. We identify with what Jesus did for us on the cross. And what he did, there is no, no stronger statement that Jesus is the Son of God than that cross. The fact that, that he took our punishment, that he bore the burden of our sin upon himself to the cross to bring us back to God the Father, to restore our relationship with our Creator. There is no other way to God than through Jesus. And there's no possible way for us to stand before God and see him for who he is without that. Without the fact that Jesus died for our sin. Without the fact that Jesus' blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. To make us clean again. To make us whole again. To make us righteous again. Where we can stand before God. Listen church. As you come this morning. To take the bread and the cup. Do not come lightly. Do not come. Because this is the religious tradition. That you know you're supposed to do. You come with the words on your lips. And in your mind. Of I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that the bread and the cup represent who Jesus is. They represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You have to come with that statement. It's those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is their Messiah, their Savior. It's those that come and remember him through communion. So I ask that when you come this morning, you come with that solidly stated in your mind. Make sure it's very clear that there is nothing else on your mind when you come this morning. When you get out of that chair, you say in your head, I believe in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will remember. Because nobody would have willingly done this. Nobody would have paid that kind of price to bring us back to God except God himself. And in the giving of his son for our redemption, for our salvation, for our restoration, Jesus said, this is who I am. God said, this is who I am. This is my identity. I am dealing justly with your sin. And, and I am dealing lovingly with your sin. Because I want you back. Come with declaration in your heads, in your hearts. Come with thanksgiving, deep thanksgiving. The body of Jesus Christ was given for our sake. He took it all for us. The blood of Jesus Christ was spilled 
so that we could stand before our Father clean. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. He spoke to us so clearly through the cross. God has spoken to you. Others have spoken to you. Let the cross speak to you this morning and receive what it has to say. Receive what God's saying about who Jesus is through his crucifixion and his death on that cross. Come and remember. Come determined, bound and determined, stating clearly, I believe in Jesus Christ. And come with a heart overflowing with thanksgiving for what he's done for you. I'm going to ask the elders to come now and prepare to serve communion and the worship team as well. Let's take a moment and just pause before God as they come and prepare. Will you pray with me? Father, it's remarkable to me that Jesus said his testimony about himself isn't complete. It's remarkable to me that that you gave more and more and more and more evidence of who Jesus is. That you gave more testimony that you spoke in so many different ways. Declaring to the world, this is my son. This is Jesus the Christ. This is the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. Thank you for that. Thanks for being so generous with us, so, so patient with us, so willing to give us chance after chance after chance after chance. Thank you for that love. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus, for his body and blood. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace and mercy, for your invitation to come. That we can come to the cross just as we are and receive what you offer us through Jesus. Thank you that we have found that path, that you have put Jesus directly before us and said to us, this is my son, this is the way back to me. You've drawn us to yourself, you've drawn us home. God, help us not to miss it. Open our eyes daily to see who Jesus is. So we come now, we come to remember, we come to declare that we believe in Jesus. We believe that he is your son. We believe that he is you. And we come filled with thanksgiving for all that you've done for us. Bless us as we meet you at the table now. We invite you to speak to us there. In the name of Jesus Christ, the one who we remember.